Hey guys, before we get into the show, we want to let you know about something cool that is waiting for everybody, not just patrons, over at patreon.com slash gttupod. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks, we've been digging into stories sent into us by our listeners. Personal paranormal experiences, stories of... of Things happening in your lives. And we've gotten some updates. That's right. So rather than wait for our next Listener Stories episode, which could be way in the future and you won't remember the Listener Stories from this last batch, we decided to record those updates and upload that episode to patreon.com slash gttupod. But it's free for everybody. You will go there and it's unlocked and ready to listen to or watch. And while you're there, maybe you can take a look at the other things we offer and maybe you want to stick around and donate to us or maybe not. But either way, go to patreon.com slash gttu pod listen to those listener stories updates it's very cool and enjoy yeah it's wild and it's there right now mm-hmm. enjoy Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we're talking about weird cave stuff. I know, we're just going underground, is what it is. Well, I'm going underground. Yes, that's true. Will is going underground. If you are listening to this live, honestly, it's not going to make a huge difference to you or anything because we're... We put in a lot of hard work to make it seamless, but this is the last live episode that Will will be recording before his parental leave. Everything you're going to hear in the months of February, February, March, and April has been pre-recorded yeah, well I know. in advance. Pre-recorded brand new material. Yes, brand new. Kristen and I have been working hard. We've been recording multiple episodes a week so that I can take parental leave, and this show will not skip a step. Nope. We have got really fun spooky topics that are coming your way while I am dealing with the spookiest topic of all, how to be a dad. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I'm going to have to watch uh, three men and a little baby or Or the movie fatherhood. Isn't isn't that a movie? (laughs) Probably. I'm thinking of parenthood with Steve Martin. Okay, perfect. I'll be yeah. watching Parenthood. Mm-hmm. I don't worry. I'll be doing the research. Yes. He's he's going to be doing the work. I'll be putting in the hard work yeah. of heading down to Blockbuster and renting a VHS of <laughs> right. Parenthood. That would be hard work, honestly. <laughs> That's true. It'd be very hard to do. Uh, but so this very episode, what we have before us, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about uh, cave systems, yeah. old abandoned mines. There are some urban legends that claim that mines actually might be involved in missing persons cases. I've covered a bunch of movies that are about like monsters in the earth's crust mm-hmm. that are, you know, grabbing people from city streets and dragging them underground. Right. Uh really weird stuff, but you've got like the real, the real material. Well, William Not unlike an underground cave system, my research took twists and turns, and I ended up somewhere that I didn't expect to end up. Oh, really? Yes. An underground city full of beings called Lemurians. 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 What? What are you talking about? That's correct. So you were... Can I I confirm? Yeah. You were going to cover... Like haunted mines, right. and now you've got an entire city. Yes. Okay. This is so unexpected. I'm just covering one location. Okay, fair enough. I, it was unexpected. I had a list of haunted caves and mines. I was going to go down with you guys kind of spoken listicle style. Mm-hmm. But then I happened upon this, and I was like, I, this this I cannot let go. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm into this. There are like, I, I got to say, there are rumors of, you know, people living beneath yeah. like New York City. Right. Things like that. 
I'm I'm definitely into the idea of underground cultures. Yeah, humanoid creatures and mm-hmm. stuff. You know what it reminds me of? We did an episode about the Paris catacombs. I can't remember what episode number that was. I feel like it was 77, but I could be totally wrong. Right. If I'm right, it'll be very impressive, but I apologize if I'm not. And um, that there were people who hosted underground har har, but you know, literally underground, and also not legal parties and things down there. Like at one point, I think that the police came in to bust up what they heard was an underground party happening in the catacombs. And they found like a fully outfitted, relatively movie theater and bar and restaurant. Do you remember me saying that? Yes. So even real life confirmed human people just Doing weird stuff in caves or underground is very appealing. Like there's a there's a whole culture going on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I I think you know it's the this this sounds like a hokey like soundbite kind of thing, but I mean it. Like it's the idea of going off the grid. Mm-hmm. I think taken to a massive extreme. Right. Like you think about like how there are there are people like the Amish communities, right, who just don't engage in modern mm-hmm. conveniences, modern inventions, electricity, things like that. Like I think there are people that like have specifically tried to get away from contemporary yes. society. Yeah, they just opt out. Yeah. I know that there are people who are homeless by choice, mm-hmm. who are kind of nomadic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a million different ways to live. Mm-hmm. You know, live your life. Yeah, they still it. listen to this podcast, though. Oh yeah, yeah I think yeah. the Lemurians. <laughs> In our stats, I looked it up, and the Lemurians do listen to Guide to the Unknown. Well, you know what? They would show up in our stats potentially because it is a lost continent. So in that part of our stats that shows us like by country, yeah. our listeners, it should show us Lemuria. Lemuria. Oh, okay. It's, it's it's okay. It's its own place. Yeah, but let's get. Let's. Yeah, I think we gotta get into it. I need to wrap my head around what exactly you've got. Let's let's get talking. Yeah. Um. So. This is something that's supposed to be happening potentially in the caves below Mount Shasta in Northern California. So Mount Shasta is this really beautiful, picturesque mountain that is also an active volcano. Um, I don't think it, you know, does the lava thing, but I guess there's stuff going on inside there. I could have looked up what that means, Uh. the fact that it's an active volcano, but to be Quite honest, I did not. Sure. Now Shasta is also a soda. Yes, it is. Now when a you shake up, so- yeah, right. When you shake up a soda, it explodes. Don't think this didn't occur to me. Is Shasta named after a volcano? Maybe. I'm gonna Google Shasta real quick. Okay, while you do continue. that. Okay. I- Maybe? This is important. <laughs> this is important work. I also want to say that in the live chat that we do have going right now for this final episode, I've gotten confirmation from Eric. Thank you very much that it was episode 77 that we spoke about the Paris catacombs. Oh so if God. you want to check that out, you can go do that. I remembered it because I was thinking that I talked about angel numbers before I talked about the catacombs. And the reason I talked about angel numbers was because it was episode 77. Wow. So that's well, good how I job. got there. And I can also confirm from having looked it up that Shasta is named after Mount Shasta, not because of the eruption volcano connection between lava and carbonated soda, (laughs) but because it used to be the Shasta Mineral Springs Company at the base of Mount Shasta and it's just evolved over time. So not as exciting. Yeah. Um, But I mean, 
the the connection is still there. Well, we've learned a lot about Shasta. We certainly have, both the cola and the mountain. <laughs> yeah. And still nothing about volcanoes. No. No. So, like I said, it's said that there is, I guess you could call them a, a race, a group of beings called the, the Lemurians. Lemuri- <laughs> you know what? If you're doing computer things, can you put Lemurian into the Google the Google? Well, no, the Google, you know, pronunciation thing. How do you spell it? Like lemur, E-I, I mean, I-A-N-S. Lemur, Lem- Lemurians. I- it's Lemurians. It's got to be. Okay. Lemurians. Uh, I'm going to say Lemurians. Lemurians. I don't okay. know how to read these, like, pronunciation. I was hoping that there'd be one of those YouTube videos that you click on and it tells you, but that's okay. Right. We're not going to play somebody's YouTube video, though. <laughs> oh, that's true. Anyway, so... That there is this group of beings called the Lemurians who live inside a vast cave system that is both inside Mount Shasta and also underneath it. So here's how it happened. This is, it's extremely convoluted. I feel like I'm already talking in circles and it might be because this episode's research took me all over the place. I spent a lot of time on something that I later realized didn't really have to do with caves. It was really more just outdoor disappearances. So I had to scrap that. Mm. This Lemurian research is crazy. I think my brain is a little bit scrambled today. And also I prepared for another episode that we are recording after this for your parental leave. A lot of information has passed through this cabeza today. (laughs) This vessel. Just like information passed through a teen named Frederick Spencer Oliver in 1883. So this kid was mapping his family's property, which is by Mount Shasta, when suddenly he was overcome with this urge to write things down that were coming to him. So he grabbed a pencil, I guess, and, and parchment and started writing just uncontrollably as it came through. He later said that he was receiving information from a being called Philos the Thibetan. Okay. This channeled information that was given to Frank from above became a book called A Dweller on Two Planets. And in it, Philos the Thibetan told Frank that Philos's physical form rests in a temple on, on Mount Shasta. So this is some sort of spiritual being talking to Frank Oliver. And he says, but I have taken physical form before. And my physical form is in a tomb on, my, on Mount Shasta. Now, Philos the Thibetan did not tell Frederick Oliver about Lemurians. This book is pretty much concerned with the lost city of Atlantis, but it does connect to Lemuria, and it's so weird just on its own, and it is part of the Lemurian story that I felt I had to include, that there was a channeled book that kind of led to all of this. So years later, it seems like there was a misunderstanding that basically snowballed into a belief in Lemuria. There was an astronomer whose name was Edward Larkin who wrote about both Atlantis, which is in the book A Dweller on Two Planets, and another lost continent that he called Lemuria. Years after that, another author who went only by the name Selvius wrote in an article that Larkin 
had reported to have seen Lemurians. So he was basically recapping this dude's Larkin's this dude Larkin's work. And he's like, yeah, he wrote about Atlantis. He wrote about a place called Lemuria. He even saw Lemurians, the people who would be the residents of this place on Mount Shasta. He also said that, yeah, Larkin also talked about how he could see the Lemurian beings from his observatory because that guy Larkin was an astronomer. There is no record of Larkin ever having said or written that. Okay. It seems like this dude, Selvius, just did that thing where you get your wires crossed because you heard things that kind of had to do with each other, and then your brain mushes them all into one story. But he put that out there, and it was popular enough that the legend grew. Also, around the same time this was going down, another thing that seems like to kind of support the Lemurian story was happening completely separate from it. And it reminds me of when we've talked about things like, for example, there being different stories about what is essentially the boogeyman right? in different continents, you know, all over the world without, you know, consulting with each other. People just make these stories up. So with that example, it's a little bit easier to say, well, it's a, it's a useful way to kind of calm your children down. Yeah. But this is something where it's like, why would these two people be having the same experience? What it makes you think that there's something to it. Right. Theoretically, this is more serendipitous. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. Than we both came up with the same way to control our children. Exactly. But the same kind of thing. We obviously hypothesized many times here on Guide to the Unknown that stories like the boogeyman, basically parents saying, better behave yourself, junior, or else this monster is going to come get you. This We covered in episode one. So it's like the boogeyman is one of those warnings and a million from around the globe, like the sack man. Mm -hmm. Just different cultures all have their version of a very similar myth, which... So you can interpret it two ways. One is the fun, ridiculous guide to the unknown way of like, well, if so many people have the same story. Then it must be true. It's got to be real. Or the other story is, no, 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 no. Everyone around the globe needed a way to say, better behave or else. Right. And then somebody clustered all of those or else creatures under the same heading. Mm -hmm. They're all the boogeyman. Right. But this story is so much more specific and it's not a kind of tale. There's not a lesson here. No. It's just a claim yes. or a belief in this other other population, this other country, these right. other beings. So why would multiple people have stories of that? Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, obviously, if there were books that were written about – or excuse me, not books. Um, these people didn't write books. I think they wrote articles. But there obviously were articles out there about the idea of the lost city of Atlantis and the lost city of Lemuria. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, people could come across that. But these things, the thing I'm about to say, happened just around the same time. So you could either say it's cutting it close or you could say this guy really jumped on it. Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. Around the same time that these articles are coming out, um, there is a legend of a British prospector who went by the name J.C. Brown. And he said that he was hired by a mining company to mine for gold at Mount Shasta. But instead, he said that when he went through, he ended up finding a cave sloping downward for 11 miles. 
which led to an underground village of gold, shields, and mummies. Oh. Now, the story varies a little bit here. There are some accounts that say that the mummies that he saw were 10 feet tall. Others say that he encountered a being that was 10 feet tall. I saw both things multiple places, so hard to say. So... If that was the case and he did see a being, if that part is true, he isn't the only one because there are also all sorts of legends and stories about people in the towns nearby Mount Shasta encountering strange robed people coming into town and trying to buy things with chunks of gold Hmm. and seeming not to be able to understand like your human customs. Right, exactly. I'm giving you just a big mound of gold. Yeah, does this not work? Should this not be enough for an apple? Right. For a shiny red apple. Please. So 30 years after J.C. Brown says that this happened, that he went in and he found this hidden village, he told the story about it to a guy whose name was John C. Root. And that guy got all pumped up and is like, that is awesome awesome. You mean there's a village underneath Mount Shasta full of gold and stuff? We have to go there and learn about this. So he gathered a team of 80 explorers to go check out this thing in and under the mountain, or excuse me, I guess it's just under the mountain that J.C. Brown saw. But then the day they're supposed to explore, J.C. Brown never showed up for the exploration and nobody heard from him ever again. Whoa. It seems likely that J.C. Brown had told a tall tale and it got out of control. Okay. He probably thought he was just talking to this guy and telling him this cool thing. And then this guy took it like way seriously and was like, well, we have to go there. We have to. He was probably like calling him up or doing whatever. Being like, I got another 10 people to go. This thing is really growing. We're going to be able to bring back so much evidence. And J.C. Brown's probably like, uh, yeah, totally. yeah, you're right. Yeah, just, yeah like, that, that will be wedding. Cool. That would be cool. I, yeah. I, I got to. I gotta go. Yeah, he probably hoofed it out of there so fast. Um, But if that wasn't the case, then it's like, did something not want J.C. Brown to share that information? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where did he go? We're not sure. Taken by the Lemurians. Well, unlikely. Because Lemurians are a wonderful group of people. There are New Age thought systems, you might call it a religion, but that might be a little bit too rigid, who are into Lemurian stuff. Um, to boil it down, there is basically in the new age community, not everybody in the new age community, but you know what I mean? There's a belief that there is an underground crystal city below Mount Shasta called Telos and that that is where the Lemurians live. And that is part of a larger inner earth system of cities. And that inner earth system is called Agartha. So the story is kind of similar to like what you were talking about before, people just deciding to opt out, that over time on Earth, wars and all the other horrible events that have happened have driven people underground. And these places underground, Agartha, became a safe haven for the ancient ways of peacefully being. And that there is just a group of people who is just like living in harmony and they have it all figured out down there. And that there are only a few entrances to be able to get to Agartha and Mount Shasta is one of them. So there are people who take pilgrimages there. Um, It's a whole thing. Uh, it's a place of like major spiritual significance for a whole bunch of people. And I'm sure that some of those people see the Lumerian 
Lemurian story as hypothetical, maybe. Okay. Like the same way that maybe some things in the Bible people think are hypothetical, but they're a good thing to live by. Um, I'm sure that there are some people who think it's real and literal and they're looking for one of the entrances to Agartha. Um, And there are also people who think besides Lemurian stuff that Mount Shasta is a vortex. But honestly, all of it, as far as like the belief systems and people who see this as like a really basically holy place, it seems all very nice and cool. I, it's it's very um, yeah, it's idyllic. It's it's yeah. There there's an underground paradise, like an underground heaven, where everybody knows how to treat each other right because they've preserved the old ways of respect, maybe some old magic. And they get to just enjoy that down there instead of living in the way that we live up here. It's certainly optimistic. The, it's extremely optimistic. The idea that, like, of course, all we surface dwellers mm-hmm. have screwed up. Yeah. And I mean, like, it doesn't take long. Every few years, there's some major catastrophe up right. here. So I think it is, yeah, heaven is really the thing, right? There's there's another place that you can aspire to be mm-hmm. part of. The interesting thing to me, though, is, like, heaven is intangible and unreachable while alive. Right. The only way to get to heaven is to be dead. Yes. But the implication here is that Agartha is in California. Well, it's all right? over <laughs> the country. It's all over the country. That's just one of the entrances. Oh, so Agartha's underneath our feet right this second, but the way to get in, there who knows where many entrances. of them are. The one we know of is Mount Shasta. There might be others that we know of as well. Okay. But Mount Shasta is certainly one of them. And there are also other reasons that people see Mount Shasta as a really spiritual place that I didn't get into because it wasn't cave-based. Sure. But it was an area that had a lot of indigenous people living there. And so some of their stories and beliefs about it have kind of carried on. Okay. But like... It's a major hippy dippy hangout. Yeah, I've, I've never Shasta. heard of this. I would love to go there. Can I? Can I ask you the Lemurians? Right. Mm-hmm. So, like the there's a continent. You know, the th- story is there's a continent Lemuria. Yes. Populated by denizens called Lemurians. Yes. Are they humans? Is it just like you know, like I'm 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 Irish mm-hmm. from Ireland. I think I think they are humans, but because they've gone underground and they are part of a group of people who are able to kind of protect the old ways, mm. I think that they are magical. Oh, they're magical. I think I don't know for sure. I think that they are able to do some things that we might disregard up here. Okay. Because we, you know, society has just all the the things that people might say about like you forget. Right. The supernatural because we can do things with a push of a button now and stuff like that. We just want to believe what's in front of us. They, I believe, are living in a way that is more in regard of the old ways. So it's like theoretically more like fairy-like in the sense of being attuned with. Yes. Like. Communing with the the magical they, properties of reality. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's... I think it's it's like a mystical kind of thing. All right. And so people will go to the area of Mount Shasta and build like they, they feel like they're just areas where they feel a little closer to Lemuria. So they'll build little altars there and have like nice rituals there and do meditations and stuff. And they feel like they have a more significant experience because yeah. of their proximity to this stuff. Now, if it's so badass mm-hmm. in Lemuria. Yeah. How come there are stories of people coming out and trying to pay for stuff with a lump of gold? because they don't understand our ways like what do they even care about what do we have out here it's a great question what they're trying to buy blu-rays 
It's a great question. Have electricity. Well, I don't think this has happened in a very, very long time that anybody has claimed to see a Lemurian. I think that this was something that would happen in the early 1900s. No, we got, I had to ship something from the, from tpublic.com slash user slash GTTU pod to Lemuria. Oh, that's right. Forgot that Lemuria shows up on our, um, our software that shows us listeners. Yeah, we right. got, we got Lemurians who are on patreon.com slash GTTU pod. I forgot you're at, that was unfair of me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some things are just so good about yeah. the modern world that they can't resist like gttu so good so sweet so good so sweet um so that i have a little bit more to talk about but that is the story of lemuria underneath mount shasta okay so and, and living agarta. in a cave system agarta and lemuria are not the same N- uh no lemuria is kind of part of lemuria was the continent okay the people who lived there were lemurians they somehow ended up in the underground crystal city underneath Mount Shasta called Telos. Right. That city is part of Agartha. Okay. Whole lot of names. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of names. So uh-huh. just like we're in Highland Park, which is part of New Jersey, right. they are in Telos, which is part of Agartha. Okay. As we'd say, it's Highland Park, part of the United States, but you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. Those are the Lemurians. The Lemurians. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Also, lemurs were involved in this somehow. I only found it on one website, and then I couldn't find it when I went back. I'm telling you, this research drove me crazy today. I, it was so headache-inducing, it even is, though I, it was really awesome. Sure. But, oh, my God. It is, um, it is complicated. Yeah. Like, even the idea, like, spoiler alert, but, like, in a lot of my pop culture underground stuff, usually it ends up being that the stuff living underground is some evolutionary offshoot, mm-hmm. right? That, like, we all came from, like, Homo erectus, and then some of us became Homo sapiens, and others became these beings that live underground and, uh, you know, are, are blind because they, it's, it's, they live in a world of darkness, stuff right. like that. Like, Lemurians... When you were saying that maybe they're not human, I was like, oh, evolutionary. And then you were like, lemurs are involved. Are they? Lemurs are primates, right? Like, yeah. is the idea here. Well, that no, I, th- are- I think Lemurians, like I said, are human, but they, they've got a little extra spark to them. Okay. Because they're not engaging in all the things that have made us forget our inner magic. Of course. Right? Like in Dr. Sleep, they say people don't shine as much as they used to. Maybe it's Netflix. Yes. That's dimming their, their shine. Yes. I don't know why Netflix is is up to that, but yeah, what are they doing, Netflix? Just what are you up to? What are you, what are you getting at, Netflix? <laughs> Taking my shine away? But there's something about like a bridge from Lemuria to another continent, and lemurs traveled on that bridge, and that's how they got here or something. All right, I'm not sure. I seriously found one reference to it, and then I couldn't find it again. So lemurs are from Lemuria? Yes. Okay. Yes. And this place is off the coast of. California? Yes. It's like Atlantis. Okay. But it's gone now. <laughs> oh, wait. What happened to it? Lemuria? Yeah. That's not a real place. No, no, no. But it's if it's gone now, something happened It's to like it. the lost city of Atlantis. I don't know. Do, what did Atlantis do? It sunk? It blooped. It. <laughs> yeah, it like blooped. I don't know. It like blooped away. Somebody held it down like an Oreo cookie until the bubble stopped. That's me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. The thing is that Lemuria is linked to Atlantis because they're supposed to be kind of like the same. Okay. Okay. They both blooped out of existence. All right. I I, I, I was going to say understood, but I, I kind of understand. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Um, but Manchester sounds awesome and I want to go there. Okay. 
Yes. All right. Charting a trip to Mount Shasta. I would love to go. Okay. So the other thing I want to address that I will leave you with, it's a shorty, is I want to talk about that meme that gets passed around um, that is of a map or two maps, excuse me. And the meme says the top map shows mysterious cases of people vanishing without without a trace. The bottom map shows America's largest cave system. And they are just about the same. Yeah. I've been dying for this. I'm really glad that you're talking about this. Yeah. So the, the, idea being at its core is like where people go missing mm-hmm. is where caves are right so they're suggesting in this meme that it's popular it's, it gets shared mm-hmm. around if you're on social media you've probably seen it once or twice mm-hmm. um, but so the implication obviously is that oh where people go missing they're probably getting trapped underground taken underground right. lured underground right yeah Exactly. So the TLDR on this is that the meme makes it sound like that would mean all missing people's cases, but the website Snopes, and there is a link in the show notes, points out that there's not really anything happening on that map for missing people on, say, Detroit. Right. where there are a ton of people who go missing. So that map is doctored from another map that did have kind of uh, a point. So the origin of the map is that it was on David uh, Politis's website. So this is a guy who's a Bigfoot hunter and former detective. He wrote a bunch of books called Missing 411, and there is a documentary right now on Amazon called Missing 411, The Hunted, hmm. That was one of the things I was like, all right, I'm getting into this. So I'm watching it for a good while, taking notes. And I'm like, this is not about caves. This isn't giving me anything. I've messed up, actually. It was interesting. But because of his connection, yeah, I got yeah. all in it. And then I was like, oh, crap. This I is know. actually not quite caves. You were stuck. You were slipping down. Mm-hmm. Slipping down a cave. Exactly. Uh, so he was a former detective and he's a Bigfoot hunter. Yes. And so, so- a gumshoe that hunts Bigfoot. That's right. All right, there's something there's something What's there. What's with this guy and feet? A movie <laughs> What there's like a, that's like a movie possibility yeah. there, right? Like Gumshoe v Bigfoot. <laughs> How can you fit such a Bigfoot into a Gumshoe? Right? I don't know. There's something there. There's something there. Bigfoot filling the Gumshoes? <laughs> Hollywood, I hope you're listening. <laughs> So, um, the meme that we've seen has been David Politis's map doctored with a bunch of black dots adding onto it. Mm. Politis's original map just had colored marks for where missing people were, but it was specifically, and he said it, referencing people who have gone missing in national parks. Ah, okay. And then laying that with, or comparing that to the cave system thing. And it make, it's not super surprising um, because national parks are often above cave systems. So if you were to look at just his version of the map, it is still interesting. You do see some overlap. But Snopes points out that you know, it doesn't just because they went missing near cave systems doesn't mean that they're missing in the caves. Sure. And that correlation doesn't automatically equal causation. So it's interesting, but not like a really big aha moment sort so of thing. Even his original undoctored map saying, right. this is where people are going missing in national parks. Boom. Mm-hmm. Map of cave systems. Boom. Right. That still would be like, yeah, look, if you go missing in a national park, you're probably underground, Mm -hmm. which is disregarding the fact that 
cave systems are probably near national parks <laughs> to yeah. begin with, and people might go missing for a variety of reasons. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, so, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, so his map is, you know, it, there's there's a certain point to be made. Sure. You just can't read too, too much into it. And then somebody saw that, embellished it to make it look more cut and dry, and passed it around. So that map, you see, that's actually not real. That person, that person who took it and then so doctored weird. it to make it scarier. Yeah. What are you doing? I don't know. Is it entertainment to them? Like, in their heads, know, are they justifying strange. it as, like... Well, this is going to make the point extra. Or are they justifying it as like a both looks like a lot of clicks? It it certainly is a scary meme. It's striking. Yeah. It's it's very memorable. Yes. and it's interesting and it's thought provoking, but it's not true. No, it's not truth. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It is not. And that I think is also. I'm not going to go into this into any in any big way, but like at the beginning of the Jordan Peele movie Us mm-hmm. from just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. it opens with a title card, black screen, white text. There are X number of undocumented cave systems underneath the the United States of America. And I always theorize, I haven't looked into this, I always theorize that that title card was added on to the movie later to sort Mm -hmm. of justify the sorts of things that happen in the movie Us. Um, I view it as being unnecessary to that movie overall. Yeah, I kind of forgot that that was there. I know. it's. I think it's just for the people that watch Us and they go, well, where are? Hold on a minute. How's this happening? Yeah. But it's like the the point of us isn't that it's like necessarily literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't want to spoil it necessarily because we're not yeah. talking about us right now. Us and is it's great. It's so good. No, it's so good. You totally watch it's it. It's so good. There are a lot of people that are like, us is nowhere near as good as Get Out. But I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's dynamite. Yeah. I loved it. I saw it for a second time earlier this year and like I loved it just as much as I did the first time. I haven't watched it again since I actually saw that on vacation. Mm. Yeah. 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 Fun <laughs> right. vacation movie. It's a funny thing. We visited our friend Dave and then we all went to go see us. Sweet. That's yeah, fun. Sweet. Um, but all yeah. right. I'm going to toss it to you. Sure. In just a moment. Yeah. Because first we have to explore the cave of us. I know. It's true. Us, us. So Guides the Unknown is an audio and video show. You can check us out on all podcast apps. And you can also check us out on YouTube.com slash TalkBomb where you can watch us having the conversation. Yeah. Kristen and I... Uh, it's fun. The video show, it gives you a little bit of our sort of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, the video show is usually also in an unedited form, so you can kind of get to see a little pre-show, a little post-show. Uh, just sort of a different flavor. Yeah. Um, everything that we do on Guide to the Unknown is posted on our social media, at GTTUPod, as mm-hmm. well as our website, GTTUPod.com. And we have got extra material on Patreon. Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. If you sign up at what we call the Netherworld Warrior level, starting at $4 a month, you get access to a special podcast called the Netherworld Dispatch exclusive to those members. And we have got like, like 18, 17 or 18 episodes mm-hmm. up there right now. Yep. We've got mini documentaries of Kristen and me going around to uh, haunted places and trying to collect ghost evidence. Um, we've done commentary tracks for the Scream movies. There's a Discord exclusive to people who back us as well, where you can talk to people who watch or listen to this show. It's a lot of fun. So if you're enjoying Guide to the Unknown and you need more, you want to, I don't know, like deepen the experience of it, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash GTTU pod. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out a couple of things uh, as I am uh, stepping away. Yes, so please. So this show is not going to miss a beat. Kristen and I have recorded all new episodes to come out for the next three months. Things that we've got in the bank are like 
like crazily researched topics of uh, things that I've wanted to cover for a really mm-hmm. long time. There's some big ones. There's some big ones in there. We did some excursions where we left the studio and went out into the world and, and filmed our experience trying to get, I'm just going to say it. Sure. We tried to get psychic readings mm-hmm. and we've already got it documented. That's going to come out. Um, uh, we've got brand new Netherworld dispatches, one of which ends with a celebrity appearance. Yes. Um, where they um, uh, make fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we asked for it to be yes, fair. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, check all of that out. And thank you so much for sticking with Guide to the Unknown. I am so proud of the show. I love doing it. I love the fact that there are so many people that listen to the show or watch the show and then tweet nice things at us. I know. Or like I don't know, just like ask us like interesting questions or or talk to us and ask us to cover certain topics and stuff. It's it's really. Like it's it's very heartwarming to yeah. me, and like I've loved doing the show, and uh, I'm so proud of the stuff that we've got banked. And honestly, more than anything, I really want to thank you, Kristen, because I'm going away on parental leave, and I'm going to be seeing Kristen all the time. Mm-hmm. But like from Kristen's point of view, you just had to add on extra work every week. Gotta do what you gotta do. And thank you so much for doing that. You're so welcome. I really enjoy doing this show with you, and I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Uh, and I love you. And I thank you. I love you too. No problem. Um, also, people out there, make sure that you are checking in with Kristen's work over at huntakiller.com slash blog. Mm-hmm. Kristen has been writing up articles like about supernatural topics, about like, I don't know, real life pop culture dissections. Yep. And then recording the narration of them in we- as well, which is out as an audio podcast that you can listen to. So definitely stay in touch with Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, Make sure that you go to huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch as well, because I have been doing so much awesome stuff that I am not allowed to talk about. Yep. But if you are subscribed to that Blair Witch box, oh my God, you have got such like fun, weird stories coming your way that deeply reference the, yes. the franchise and push it in interesting new directions. And like I, w- I was saying this before we started the show, but three years ago. I was hired by Hunter Killer and I went to Burkittsville with Chelsea Weber Smith because we just happened to be in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Weber Smith of American Hysteria, by the way. And uh, three years later, I'm working on Blair Witch. Yeah. And getting to work on Blair Witch for the last year has let me I've, – I've written for it. I have produced. I have directed performances. I have done some performance myself. I have done sound design. I got to edit. I got to uh, interview Eduardo Sanchez. Like I've gotten to do – Everything that I love mm-hmm. in this line of work that I'm like a part of. And so I don't know. I've put a lot of my like heart and soul into it. So I really hope that you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going on. I know that people don't like the long quote unquote ad breaks, whatever. But thank you all. I really appreciate you all hanging out with us and listening to this show. And uh, I will miss you all. You will not miss me. This yeah. show, we have made sure, does not skip a beat. Nope, so not a single one. Really enjoy. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep talking because now it's my yep. turn. So I have looked into like movies and pop culture about things that take place underground or feature underground creatures and things like that. And I think the the real only place to start is with probably one of the more popular of them, the movie The Descent. Okay. Have you seen this movie? No. This isn't the one that stars Alicia Pinkmore, is it? Pink? Pink? Yeah. I don't think so. There's a movie about like 
<laughs> I thought you were saying like Alicia again. Pinkmore. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I said that weird. I'm being so weird today. Do you feel guys? Okay? I'm being really weird. I I felt fine before I got here. I don't know what the hell happened to me. Um, no, I know that Pink is in a movie where they go in a cave and there are monsters and stuff. Uh, I don't think so. All right. I think you would have seen her. I'm, I'm looking up Pink Cave movie. Okay. <laughs> We're going to see if we get any from... I've never seen this either, by the way, whatever uh, it is. Catacombs. Catacombs? Yep. No, I've never heard of this, but I'm, I'm looking into this now. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, maybe I did see this. Yeah, see, um, she's billed as Alicia Moore. Okay. Yeah, let me see. Uh, an anxiety-ridden young woman receives an invitation from her sister, Pink. The first line is a voiceover. My sister sent me a postcard. All it said was, come to Paris. It'll be good for you. Um, yeah, it's, it's about the Paris catacombs. hours after I arrived, she and everyone I'd met were dead. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm going to spoil every movie that I'm talking about, by the way, and okay. I will be talking about um, quite a few movies, so okay. brace yourselves. But while we're here, let's just go ahead and spoil this movie. Sure. Um, so they're in the Paris catacombs. Uh, I want to see if there are monsters inside, because it seems like there are a lot like of there monsters. there are. Yeah. There's a rave inside, it looks like. I'm not convinced that there are monsters in here. Jean-Michel pours Victoria a large glass of absinthe and tells her of a killer living in the catacombs. Raised by a satanic cult, the killer, Antichrist, feeds on people who get lost in the catacombs. Hmm. Huh, okay, so maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a real-life killer. <laughs> Most of the group dismisses the story as a myth, and they decide to go skinny-dipping. <laughs> right so <on>. that is, <laughs> that's a synopsis of the movie Catacombs, starring Pink. Okay, so I guess it's a killer in there, not monsters. Yeah. I must have assumed. Okay, but I can see why you would connect that to The Descent. Yeah. The Descent is a 2005 horror movie, um, and to me it felt a lot like the movie 28 Days Later, literally mm -hmm. like in the quality of film and filmmaking. There's a, an aspect to it that just makes it feel very stark and real. It is like almost like an unpleasantly, like it, it's, a, it's a hard movie to watch in terms hmm. of like, like, pain yeah you know like, like it's physical pain emotionally fraught oh, emotional okay. pain okay so um the the movie is primarily about a young woman named sarah who survives a car crash that kills her husband and daughter um do you want to make an edit point let's fix this sure. yeah um Let's make a note. We're about 51 minutes in. Yeah, let me fix okay. the, the camera here. Let me write that down. Yeah. Uh, maybe hold your hand out toward the camera and then pull it back. Let's see if maybe there's like an auto. That worked when I was thinking about it. Let's see if it does. That helped a little bit, right? Why would it suddenly go blurry if there was no autocorrect? No, not so much. Yeah, hmm. let, me, uh, let me see if I can just knock it out real quick. Okay. I'm just writing a note in my phone. Okay. And we'll, we'll see. We shall see. 51 minutes, you said, right? Yep, about okay. 51 minutes. And... Da, 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 da. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm sorry. I'm being so weird. I don't know what's You're not being thing. weird. I think you're overestimating. I, I felt frantic telling that story. No, it seems to me like it had to be a pretty <laughs> like confusing story to research. The Lemurians appear to be a mess. <laughs> if I had to give my opinion and i do i i just think that the lemurian story is chaos yeah there we go um, gotcha okay great great just so you know just in case it helps for next time miko says that they think it suddenly went blurry because your con because your computer screen turned on oh okay maybe like the light of like the tab that i opened okay sure would that affect my camera i only if well let's do a test 
Yeah, see, the light splashes f- when I change tabs. The light uh-huh. from it splashes over to you. Watch this. Okay. Watch you. All right. See how you dim? Yeah. Because I'm switching over to a tab on my computer that's largely white, and it's uh-huh. changing the lighting of the set, mm-hmm. which the camera probably thought it then had to interpret somehow oh. differently. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, thanks for the heads up, everybody. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's about this like group of friends like a year after this woman's wife, uh, this woman's husband and daughter are killed in a car accident. They reunite and they're going to go cave diving in the Appalachian Mountains. Mm. Um, they have all agreed they're going to be exploring this series of caves. Kristen, don't worry. They are going to be safe to explore. Okay. They're well-documented caves. There are maps of these caves. There's nothing to worry about. I don't think it went well. Then they get into the cave and they're digging around in there and there's a cave in. And so the entrance is blocked and they realize that their one friend who charted the excursion for them decided to switch caves. Oh. She thought that she would surprise everybody. And uh, a cave surprise is the last kind of surprise you want. Who wants a cave surprise? No one. So the entrance that they came in through is blocked. But one of them is like, well, I looked up the cave system. It's all right. There's another entrance and exit, whatever. Like there are several and then Juno reveals, uh, actually, I picked a cave that has never been charted before and doesn't even have a name. I thought maybe we could be the ones to discover it. Oh. Did, didn't tell anybody until there was a cave in. Oh, Juno. So now they're trapped in there. Uh, and not only that, this this is the stuff that I like really started to love. I was enjoying the movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I recommend the descent. I have been recommended this movie so many times yeah, me and too. just never gotten around to watching Same. it. Definitely recommend, even though I'm spoiling it. So um as they're exploring the cave, which reminder, no one's ever been in before mm-hmm. and it does not have a name, they discover climbing equipment. Oh. Someone hasn't been in there before, which to some extent you go like, oh, okay, cool. So we're not the only ones. But then somebody points like, out- why is their climbing equipment still here? And why does this still not have a name? Right. If someone's been here before. Right. They probably didn't make it out. Not good. And that would have been without a cave-in either, right. by the way. Right. So they're uh, exploring around and then they start to realize somebody- Somebody is still in there. There were periods of time, and I know the premise of this movie basically, but there were periods of time where I started wondering like, oh, is the person that's in the cave that's going to get them one by one or whatever is going to happen, is it the person who had come climbing in here before? Mm-hmm. Or uh, did somebody come in here before and get right. taken by something else that just has always lived in here? And it's really more the latter. Mm-hmm. However, I would have loved from like the – the. Uh, a charting of time or historical perspective, it being like, yeah, somebody came in here, got lost, and now they're just driven mad down yeah. here. Like in the Impractical Jokers movie when Joe Gatto. That was so funny. <laughs> Joe Gatto plays the role of a little boy who got lost in a cave system and then reemerges during a tour. Right. And he's like, what year is it? Really? Oh my God. No, I walked away from my mommy and daddy and I've been walking around down here for like the last 30 years. That was so funny. It's pretty damn funny. But no, it's it's monsters. Yeah. They're called crawlers. Okay. And it is heavily implied, and I looked into some of the behind the scenes on this as well. The idea is that they were at one point like basically cavemen who never made it out to the surface and so have evolved down there over the course of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so they are blind. They can't see in the dark. They track mostly by sound. And they start like chasing after these women like one by one. It's great. 
Yeah. It's it's a really, really fun movie. But I will say to a certain extent that is the underground scariness okay. of of the descent. Yeah. Which I do think is fueled by some of the rumors and legends of beings mm-hmm. existing underground. Like something like the Lemurians. A story akin to Lemurians has been told forever right. of ju- there just being people who live beneath the surface of, of the earth. Right. And I think that the descent is sort of uh, an expression of that kind of fear or urban legend. Do you know what they want to do with them? Do they just want to kill them for being in their space? Do they want to eat them? Yeah, I think they're eating. There, there's okay. like there's like a giant like pool of blood down there too, which okay. to me would almost feel like a ritual. But they're, they're kind of almost like animalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's almost like a zombie quality. Okay. Oddly, actually, speaking of Blair Witch, watching the movie, like I got major Blair Witch 2016 vibes, mm-hmm. which came out 11 years later. So maybe it was riffing on what The Descent had done, admittedly. But like there is a, a very standout moment in Blair Witch 2016 where the character of Lisa is crawling under Rustin Parr's house through this tunnel. And she gets trapped. And so her shoulders are constricted and... The camera falls in front of her so you can see her face and it's a little bit wet down there because it's been raining and she's screaming and there's dust. And in the movie theater, I could feel myself almost hyperventilating. That part is really hard to watch for me. Yeah, I honestly, Blair Witch 2016 has some of the like most, uh, like I truly mean like personally effective. Yes. Like they affect you. Yes. Moments. And that's really one of them. Big time. I was thinking about that when you were talking about the cave caving in on them yes there is a moment that that moment is in the descent there is Mm -hmm. a moment when the main character sarah is trying to climb through a tight space and is stuck oh god and can't make it out and one of her friends has to like try to coax her and be like what are you afraid of you're not afraid of anything you can get out of this the worst thing that's ever happened to you has already happened you're gonna be fine let go of. i'd be like no it's happening right now. it's happening right now i'm trapped in a cave right that wouldn't help me at all between two rocks uh-uh. Even hearing that, I don't like. No, it makes no, me no, feel no, stuck. No. Like, yeah. if I was in this movie, stuck in a cave. If I was in Blair Witch 2016, I ain't getting through that tunnel under Rustin Parr's house. Are no you insane? way. There's no chance. No, I perish. Oh, yeah, I'd be dead. In agony. And then in everything mental would, anguish. Then everything would be fine, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's... Done deal. Who cares? You're all, it's all gravy. It's done. It's cool. Um, the other thing, in this movie, because these uh, they're called crawlers are in the cave, there's a moment where, uh, I think it's Sarah, I think she turns her flashlight and there's a crawler in the distance and its skin is all white and translucent and it turns to the camera. It's like, <laughs> that sounds fun and really freaky. And it runs away. Blair Witch 2016 has oh, a yeah. moment where Lisa is outside Rustin Parr's house and it's raining and she turns and points the uh, the flashlight and that long limb monster is like, <laughs> and then it runs away. I was like, well, this is the same moment. Yeah. And they both scared me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, very interesting. Huh. Um, oddly, here's a weird uh, fact. There, so this movie was 2005. In 1999, there was a book called The Descent about cave explorers who find people who live underground. Okay. But it's just in, it's in Tibet. No relation. I mean, the name, you know, it's a very cavey name. I know, but The Descent? It's cavey, but like, wow, like a six-year difference for the same sort of thing. I will say, looking into it a little more, the book, The Descent, um, gets into big, crazy, global ramifications of Mm. these people that live under the ground and... 
different species and it seems like it's a lot more complicated and more sort of sci-fi. Yeah. But the the sort of inciting incident I thought was really fun. So these cave explorers are in Tibet and they find a body. They find a body underground. It is covered in writing in English, but also symbols that they are unfamiliar with. Um, but together, the symbols and the English writing tell the story. This body is of a pilot who crashed in the Himalayan mountains in the 1940s. And I like the idea that like the, the notion of cave drawing, which is also present in the descent, like telling, telling storytelling, written storytelling, visual storytelling. Um, you think about it as being cavemen writing on the wall of a cave, Mm -hmm. telling the story about like felling a giant antelope or something like that, um, creating fire. I don't know. But here, the idea of using a human body as your like canvas right. for storytelling is just very interesting to me. Yeah. There was a sequel to The Descent. The Descent Part 2 came out in 2009. Nowhere near as well received. I have not seen it. I did some looking into it. And it, it seems, you know what? It seems a whole lot like a sequel. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. Sure. Love a sequel, but it's not quite as novel mm-hmm. as The Descent was. And all of this, I think, can be couched under something interesting that I found out. There is a term for creatures or beings that live underground or in caves. Troglofauna. Oh. So, uh, like, I, I, I don't know if this term... Well, anyway, I, I I don't know how you break down the etymology of the term. Yeah, I was right. going to attempt it, but why would I? But like, you know. A troglodyte is a thing, right? Yeah, a troglodyte. I think a troglodyte is uh, like a person who lives underground. But okay. Troglofauna means animals. Uh-huh. So it's like talking about, you know, if you go to the, the Wikipedia for troglofauna, they show a snail oh, okay. whose shell is basically like translucent right. white. Yeah, I guess it's not guarding itself from the sun. Right, yeah. You you like sort of think about the, the idea of creatures that live underground as becoming incredibly pale mm-hmm. over the course of generations. What's my excuse? <laughs> Honestly, well, we're in a basement right now. That's true. We are kind of underground. <laughs> um, and I do have blackout curtains on the room I work in all the time. You have said that you prefer to be in a dark room. I do. Yes. I do. Doesn't that, does it not like hurt your eyes? No, why? Because yeah. I don't. You're supposed to like have like good lighting if you're reading or something, and you do a lot of like reading and writing. Yeah, well, I, you know, I have enough light to do those. Th- if I'm writing something, I don't. I'm not in the room that's that dark. Okay. But if I'm working on my computer or reading on my Kindle or something like that, I have a book light. You're always that doing I, that stuff. That you're not just like sitting in a chair in no, a dark room. No, William. <laughs> Staring at the one entrance in or out, <laughs> waiting for no. someone to come by. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, there's another uh, famous franchise called My Bloody Valentine. Yep. Um, the original movie came out in 1981, which puts it cleanly yes. in that like kickoff slasher. Slasher boom. Yeah, which we talked about back in October 2020 during our Slashtober mm-hmm. string of episodes. But so My Bloody Valentine, think about it in terms of some of the big slashers we'd gotten to that point. 74. Black Christmas, 78, Halloween, right? 1980, Friday the 13th, 1981, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. It is about a killer on Valentine's Day. The connection for us here today is that the mayor of Valentine Bluffs, Okay. Pretty on the nose. I've only seen this once, and I don't remember it at all. Really, I yeah. I, I didn't get I didn't have enough time to go back mm-hmm. into this one, but I really want to. I just love I love slashers. I love like yeah. the proto slashers and people trying to learn the lessons of how do we 
we've seen all these movies be successful, but how do we do They're it? They're like now? developing the language of them. Absolutely. But like the mayor of Valentine Bluffs. Yeah. You know, like Halloween didn't take place in like Halloweensburg. That's funny. Right? So does it not have to do with Valentine's Day, this movie? It does. Okay. It does. Um, have the- you recently watched the David Boreanaz movie, Valentine? Yes. Me too. I watched it last year. I did recently watch it. For the record. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I was not expecting. <laughs> the answer is a firm yes. <laughs> Why did you watch that? I'll watch anything David Boreanaz does. Me too. <laughs> Repeatedly. Most of my collection is just... <gasps> bananas for David Bananas. <laughs> David Boreanaz projects. <laughs> That's a Jesse Camp reference, if anybody remembers that moment. I remember it vividly. I know. I can't believe you also watched Valentine. Okay. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Um, there's a great kill count on it. Our friends over at uh, Oh, really? Dead, Dead Meat. Meat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, the mayor of Valentine Bluffs has recently reinstated the Valentine's Day dance. It's been suspended for 20 years, Kristen. Uh-oh. Don't you think it's about time? Turns out, 20 years ago, two supervisors went to the dance, leaving their minors unsupervised. <laughs> and during that period of time, there was a methane gas explosion, which trapped them all underground. The only survivor of 20 years ago was Harry Warden, who went insane after having to resort to cannibalism mm. to survive down there. And now, is he back? Somebody dressed like a miner, so like big, heavy underground work gear and a big gas mask, is going around killing people. He's ripping people's hearts out. There's a whole thing in this movie of cutting somebody's heart out and like putting it into a box of chocolates. Uh-huh. Um, it is, uh, uh, it got like, I don't know, kind of negative reviews. Bruce Bailey of the Montreal Gazette, it's a Canadian production, noted that the film had an awkward script. And said, all that's really notable about My Bloody Valentine is that it gives you more of the usual MPGP. 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 What do you think it means? It gives you more of the usual. I really don't know. Murders per gallon of popcorn. Oh, my God. I never would have gotten that in one million years. Bruce Bailey was trying to make something take off. I don't think it did. I don't think it, I don't think it took. <laughs> Here we are 40 years later. I don't think it took. It gives you uh, more than the usual MPGP, murders per gallon of popcorn. Okay. Uh, no sequels to it. Mm. One remake. Yes. In 2009, My Bloody Valentine 3D, directed by Patrick Lucier of Dracula 2000. Oh my God. What can't this guy do? I'm telling you, he's all over the place. He's the <laughs> editor of the original of Scream 1, yeah. 2, and 3. And I, I just see his name all over the place. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, no more cannibalism in the story anymore. This time, Harry Warden has killed the other miners underground to preserve oxygen. Okay. Which I think is actually kind of an yeah. interesting motive. Yeah. The cannibalism thing is obviously like big and bombastic and scary right. and I think plays into that sort of like Michael Myers is in a mental institution. He's broken out. Oh, yeah, it's like a ma- his mind broke. He's a madman. Yeah. Stars Jensen Ackles. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I already said I'm going to spoil everything, right? Yeah. He did it. <gasps> oh, no. Why would he do that? I don't want to hear that. Why would he do that? All right. Mimic. The next movie is Mimic, 1997. I had never heard of this before. I have. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh. Who's in this? Oh, boy. No, I've heard. Nah, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. But I, I know about this. Okay. Directed by Guillermo del Toro, which okay. really bumps it up my list of like, maybe I should be watching this. Mm-hmm. A genetic hybrid bug 
has been created. It is designed to kill cockroaches because in this world, there is an illness. There is a, a disease, Strickler's disease, oh. which is being carried by cockroaches. So a scientist has created this hybrid bug. It's called the Judas breed. Mm -hmm. And it is meant to uh, uh, wipe out these cockroaches. It's basically creating a new predator on the food chain to wipe out the cockroaches okay they are designed so that um the the judas breed has this enzyme which will result in the cockroaches metabolism speeding up so they'll die of starvation fast and thankfully Kristen, thankfully the judas breed mm -hmm. was also designed to only live a few months so there shouldn't be any problems. No, of course not. Three years later, <laughs> a priest is chased and dragged underground by a strange assailant. And there are these weird bugs, Kristen. It turns out the Judas breed has been evolving fast. The th past three years have been like thousands of years of evolution for them. They are human-sized uh -oh. bugs that have also evolved. Something that I, I love the notion of this. You know how like a moth might have fake eyes on its wings? Yes. Right? So the Judas bug has evolved to be able to mimic humans. Okay. There's a scene where Susan, of course Susan, I don't know if she's the main character or not. Susan encounters Susan. what appears to be a shadowy man in a trench coat on a train platform. As she approaches, it unfolds into an insect the size of a human being, which has evolved to appear human. Oh my God. It sounds awesome. Wow. And I'm going to have to check this out. I, I would I would quite like to see it. Okay. Um, getting close to the end here, but there's still more like fun underground stuff. By the way, I I reacted funny because I was I got I confused the movie Mimic with the movie Species. Um, I kind of thought so. Really? Yes, I did. Really? Yep. You you thought that that was what I was thinking? Yes. Because I reacted funny? Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what was going on. Yeah, Species is about like an alien that's made to look like a sexy lady. Yes, a group of scientists try to track down and trap a killer alien seductress before she successfully mates with a human. Oh, man. And it looked ridiculous, and that's what I kind of remembered, and that's why I was like, oh, this is going to be something. Uh -huh. But then it actually sounded pretty good. Yeah, well, there are like five Species movies, yes. I think. Yes, And it's all about the idea that there's this like... <laughs> sexy lady right. who's just trying to get with you right <laughs> i guess i was thinking that she's mimicking humans sure and that's how she's getting people her it's name natasha is natasha henstridge oh is that right yep i think her name is like sell or something like that okay. sill maybe mm -hmm. sid probably sid who cares so there's chud yes can't do this episode without mentioning no way chud yep 1984 also referenced at the beginning of Jordan Peele's Us. Uh-huh. Uh, because Jordan Peele like knows his like horror research right. like better than anybody. Did you put anything about Chunnel? Chunnel? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake movie in Seinfeld. Yeah. So uh in Chud, which I've never seen. I haven't either. I just know about it. There's a photographer who's been doing a series on undergrounders who are the people that live beneath New York City, like the mm -hmm. homeless population. Uh but there's been a rash of missing people lately. It turns out toxic waste, uh, I don't know, left under the city is mutating people into chuds. Right. Chud is an acronym. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Go ahead. Do you know it? Yeah, it's something human underground dwellers. Close. K. 
cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. It also is an acronym for something else, though. It's an acronym for the very toxic waste that's been spilled down there that is mutating people. Contamination hazard urban disposal. Awesome. Yeah, so that, I guess, is written on the canister. So chud. Right, just everywhere. Double chuds in the movie. Speaking of double chuds, 1989, chud two, bud the chud. (laughs) Really? Bud the chud. Turns out that there is now they're trying to take the Chud mutation and turn it into warfare, biological weapon stuff. I never like it when movies do this. No, I don't either. When when Jurassic World goes like, what if we used what if we used raptors? Right, for war. For war. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you I know, fools. I don't like war stuff. I just don't care. Don't contaminate. So, chud two, Bud the Chud. Mm-hmm. Bud breaks out, creates an army of Chuds. All right. Wanna point something out as I looked it up. Four years before that, another movie came out about about army personnel dealing with human monsters, and mm-hmm. one of them is smart. Mm-hmm. Day of the Dead. Right. In the movie Day of the Dead, it's about like the military living in this like little base. They're isolated. They're low in supplies. They're all going insane. And one of them is a doctor who is doing experiments on the zombies and has one of them who's learning how to communicate and maybe able to talk again and is remembering objects from when he was alive. And maybe, maybe we can teach them. And his name is Bub. B-U-B. So here we are. Four years later, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. And it's about a smart Chud (laughs) with army stuff. You're right. There's a connection. Chud 2, Bud the Chud is ripping off Bub from Day of the Dead. God. Hot take, I know. <laughs> Hot take. I'm the first person to think of this. But still, I read this and I was like, what is... Wait just a second. What is going on? Uh, and a couple of small bites to, to take us out, Kristen. Yes. Um, one of them, very important. Um, of course, one of the, the most famous cases of underground storytelling of all time, um, down in Fraggle Rock. Oh. <gasps> Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so Fraggle Rock was a show by the the, the Henson Company. Yep. Uh, better known for the Muppets. Sure. Right? So uh, there are four main intelligent anthropomorphic species in Fraggle Rock. <laughs> there are the Fraggles, who are the main characters, comprised of uh, the pragmatic Gobo, <laughs> the artistic Moki, the indecisive Wembley, the superstitious Boober, and the adventurous Red. But there are other species down there, like the Doozers. Right. Who are always building stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the Gorgs, and what are known as the silly creatures, which are us. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's right. The Fraggles and Doozers live in a system of natural caves called Fraggle Rock that are filled with all manner of creatures and features, which... <laughs> <laughs> which connect to at least two different areas. The land of the Gorgs, which yep. are seemingly giants, mm-hmm. but they're like outside. Yeah. So where are they on the planet Earth? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Which- you know, I always wondered that. I was like, are they just outside Doc's house or what's going on? And Doc is like, are they the same proportionate size to the Gorgs as the Fraggles are to people? Because Fraggles are implied to be very small. Right. I don't know. So like are Gorgs as big as humans or are Gorgs way bigger than us? I don't know. I think I think they're somewhat bigger. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, so there, there's the land of the Gorgs, and then there's what they call outer space, where the silly creatures live, which right. is us. Human world. Yeah. I absolutely loved 
the Fraggles when I was a kid. Loved the Fraggles. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite shows. Loved the Fraggles. Um, But yeah, so that's one of them. And the other pointed out to us by one of our live viewers, Pete, is in Ghostbusters 2, Mm -hmm. which sort of connects to Ghostbusters, the video game. So in Ghostbusters 2, one of the big uh, uh, issues, the problems that the, the Ghostbusters are investigating is this pink slime. That is coming out of the ground in New York City. And they trace it down to these old abandoned subway stations, which are real, which do exist under New York City. Places of the old subway, old train systems that are long since abandoned. And it turns out that on those railways are now these rivers of slime. Over the course of Ghostbusters 2, that is sort of what they – that's the one time that they really go underground and imply that this pink slime – uh, perhaps the manifestation of all the ill will right. of the you know stereotypical the New Yorker above. with attitude. The pink slime is like an ectoplasm that we're all creating with our attitude, mm-hmm. and it's manifesting and, and creating this flowing river under the ground. Ghostbusters, the video game from, I believe, 2009, written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd, um, deepens this to say that the rivers of slime down there are actually like constructed things put together by Evo Shandor. Oh my God. Evo Shandor of Ghostbusters one who built the apartment where Sigourney Weaver lives. Yep. Which was, had a temple to the demon God Gozer at the top. Evo Shandor has turned all of New York city into this like architectural node to, to harness supernatural energy. It's awesome. It's awesome. So they took this like kind of like throwaway, often mocked mm-hmm. thing of Ghostbusters 2. I don't 2. think it's bad. I don't know why it's mocked so much. I know. It just has a bad it's reputation. Like fine. It's fine. I yeah. think I think you and I are of a generation where we just grew up with I this guess. as just like, these are the two Ghostbusters movies you've got. Yeah. Enjoy them. Yeah. I think for people and that so were we waiting did. for the next Ghostbusters, yeah, it was right. somewhat toned down and somewhat kidsy. And yeah. the cartoon show obviously had an influence on Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2. Right. So it made it feel a little less, I don't know, grungy. Mm-hmm. Like Ghostbusters 1 is a little more like yeah. biting. Yeah. An adult. Yes. Um, so I think that's people's issue with it. For us, yeah. it was just, no, we've got two Ghostbusters movies and they both slap. Yeah, they both bonk. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, the video game managed to deepen and tie together both of those events from Ghostbusters 1 and 2, Dana Barrett's apartment building and the Underground Rivers of Slime, and That's say awesome. they were both constructions of the big, big bad, the architect Evo Shandor. Mm-hmm. You might remember him as Harold Ramis mentions that he was known for doing unnecessary surgery. Yeah. Like yeah. he was a, so cool. a bad dude from like the 20s, I want to say. Now, Ghostbusters, the new movie, has been pushed back again. Yes, I know. As of this recording, it is not out. However, mm-hmm. the one trailer that was put out, there is an Evo Shandor mining company yeah. in the yeah, area where those right. kids live. That's right. Oh, so man. I firmly believe that Evo Shandor is going to be at least mentioned, if not the the threat of the movie. Yeah. They have the full freedom to ignore the video game, yeah. even though to me it's like the perfect Ghostbusters 3. Um so they can ignore the events of the video game where you defeat Evo Shandor mm-hmm. and just treat him like the new villain. And that's fine. I'm fine right. with that. But yeah, it turns out that maybe all this underground stuff will come back with the Evo Shandor mining yes. company, by the way. Yes. Out in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I yeah, know. I think it is called I'm not that. sure what it's called. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. That is my uh, pop culture underground explorations down here. We've had our Excellent. hard hats on. Yep. 
We're going to take them off now. It's safe once again. Take my headlamp off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, William, now I think it's time for you to go underground. That's true. For your greatest adventure. Yeah, my, my, my adventures into fatherhood. That's right. Wow. Let's see wow. what happens. You know what? I'm starting a whole new adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As we said before, go to patreon.com slash pod if you'd like to support the show and get some really fun bonuses. And you can also go to gttupod.com to see all kinds of stuff that we have. We have merch. We have a Facebook group. And, you know, get involved. Yeah, why not? And once again, like my, my, uh, my absence from the show will not be felt. Mm-hmm. Kristen and I have got you covered. Yes. We've been making extra episodes of the show, and this show's not going to miss a beat. Nope. The hits keep on coming. Nope. All good. Yeah. So make sure you follow at GTTU Pod everywhere. Stay up to date with each new episode of the show. We're going to have fun clips and extras coming your way as well, because mm-hmm. we've been doing a lot of planning here. I'm really pumped for you all to see what we've been up to. Yeah. Um, and make sure that you follow us online as well. Yeah, I am at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Guide to the Unknown will be back mm-hmm. with more spooky stories one week from today. But until that time comes, we must travel. Into parenthood, go Will. <laughs> Wow, that sounded so clean. Thank you. Sounded so cool. (laughs) Thank you all so much, everybody.